Yitzhak Baruch rabbis for sharing such beautiful words. Each, uh, each uh, speech and each lecture is, really has been a diamond, really. I'm, uh, I'm very inspired. How many words, Rabbi Ariel? Um, a lot to think about from what you said, Rabbi Ruvain as well. And Rabbi Hadjof, wow, you, uh, you touched both sides of the coin. The happiness and the sadness, the joy and the, uh, and the mourning. And um, I, I'm, uh, I'm moved beyond words. I want to share with you something which maybe sounds a little bit interesting, different, weird. And that is that I don't really know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I mean, I know what I want to say, but I don't know what I'm going to say. And I'll tell you why. I, uh, I kind of feel sometimes that we're expressing and we're explaining things so well and completely missing the point. I'll give you an example as to what I mean by this. You know, uh, you could imagine someone who uh, is in a deep sense of pain and they come to, uh, to the doctor and they ask the doctor, you know, I'm in so much pain. You know, the whole night last night, I spent crying, you know, crouched up in the fetal position. I don't understand why I'm crying. And the doctor says, well, uh, basically it's because of the tear ducts. You see, the tear ducts, they, they form tears and they help you, you know, the moisture is generated by the, you know. And, and the physician's not wrong. It's not incorrect in explaining to this gentleman why he's crying. But he's completely missing the point. I'm not asking you for the mechanics of tears. I'm trying to figure out what is the problem here? Where is the source of this pain? Uh, and how do I get rid of it? I don't need you to tell me, you know, some sort of weird lesson. I, I need you to help me fix this. And sometimes I look at these days and I think, like, just raise your hand if you've been going to, like, fast day classes for more than five years. Raise your hand if you've been going to fast day classes for more than 10 years. Yeah. Anyone? 20 years? Right? Some of you have been going to, but, and, and not one, by the way. Like, if ever, Tisha B'Av and now Shiva B'Tamud have become, like, the equivalent of binging an entire season. Like, you know, there was once a time where, like, the synagogue had a class. Right? You had to decide which rabbi was going to class. Like, next door in the other building, like, there have been classes from, like, 8.50 a.m. till 7.15 p.m. And it's not even popcorn. <laughs> like, you know, deal show all day. All day. So you could go in here nine classes, one after the next about the day. Has anyone ever done that? I remember doing that. Before, like, the videos came out. Like, you remember the, the Tisha B'Av videos? I remember going to Dilshu as a kid, finding a seat, getting it as early as I can, and sitting there straight through the end. In the end, by the end, my brain was like a mush of, like, 
50 different speeches and like the only thing you need to do the first rabbi second rabbi, the only thing we need the third the only thing if there's one thing you do this you come home and instead of uh, implementing something you focus on what's really important calzones Post fast calzones hits different. I'll put that out there. So maybe I know what to say, but I don't know if I know how to say it. So I'm going to try and talk plainly. I'm going to try and take an esoteric idea, you know, the scientific you know, the mechanical, because it's important to understand how this happened and why this happened. But it pales in significance if that doesn't translate. So I'm going to try and translate. In Ta'anit, in chapter 4, Mishnah 6, the Mishnah tells us what happened on this day. And Rabbi Ariel began our day by telling us and quoting this Mishnah. But I want to focus on two of the five tragedies that take place on this day. The luchot were broken. Rabbi spoke very eloquently about the power of the broken luchot. Depending on how you want to pronounce it. Somehow, whichever way I pronounce it, someone corrects me. So happy I could bring joy to some Jews on this day. Butala Tamid, the Tamid was um, canceled. And the city was breached. And Apostamos burned the Torah. And he put an idol in the Hechal. I've spoken in years past about the common thread that runs between these five things and how. The five things are actually five stages of degeneration of the breaking apart of a nation. But to me, as I was thinking about that this morning, I was thinking, too academic. You're not going to walk away. You'll walk away and say, that was a really nice shiur. And then I will have failed you. So I want to focus on two things. Nishtabru aluchot two things that were broken on this day the luchot haberit the luchot that God himself gave us and the wall surrounding Jerusalem the protective wall <clears throat> that allowed the enemies eventually once they breached it to attack the Jews murdering the uh, citizenry, citizenry of Yerushalayim blood flowing through its streets Now what's interesting to me is that although in the Bavli we read about the wall being breached in the year 69 CE which is the structure of the second temple the Yerushalmi actually maintains and holds that the first Beit HaMikdash was also subjected to the breaching of the outer wall of the city of Jerusalem on Shiva Sarbet Tammuz 
Now, I want you to think about the likelihood in the unfolding of history that on the exact same day, hundreds and hundreds of years apart, right? Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. How long were we in Galut until it was rebuilt? 70 years, depending on how you counted it, but 70 years. How long the second Beit HaMikdash stand? 420. That's 490 years later. So almost 500 years later, on the exact same day, they happened to break through the walls? No. Judaism teaches us that these things are not mistakes. They are God-driven. Uh, they are divinely ordained. So this day is a day of wall-breaking. But something else breaks on this day, and it's also Luchot. And the first thing I was struck by is how different those two things seem. The Luchot literally carved by God's hand. They were miraculously given to the Jewish people. They had the letters carved from side to side. The Talmud tells us that that's a physical impossibility because there are two letters, the Mem, Sofit, and the Samech, that are, they are complete. One is a square, one is almost a circle. So the whole middle of the letter needs to float in midair in order for the letter to be shaped, correct? So there was a miracle performed so that when Moshe is holding it, you had these suspended letter middles that were stuck in place. So God was ensuring that these letters were miraculously there. The rabbis tell us the craziest things associated with those luchot. That if the luchot would have not been broken, the Jewish people would have never had a machloket in Jewish law ever. I think many rabbis would not know when to answer to halakha questions. Because oftentimes that's the rabbis go to, it's a machloket. And the guy would say, in a non-broken luchot world, what's a machloket, rabbi? <laughs> and the rabbi would look him dead in the eyes and say, this. This is a machloket. The rabbis tell us that there would be no death in the world if the Luchot would not, had not been broken. How can you compare the breaking of Luchot and the breaking of a perimeter wall? It's the wall. It's true. Devastating consequences happened afterwards. But the problem was the people dying, not the breaking of the wall. Could you imagine everyone comes to Deal Shul, to Hathaway, Allenhurst, West Deal, some foreigner comes in, he's like, what's happening? Someone's like, they cut the hedges! Like, you understand? <laughs> now, after you cut the hedges, you went through the hedges, you did all sorts of damage. But then that should be the point. The fact that the expression is ha'ir, it doesn't say ha'ir and everyone was killed. It says ha'ir. If two things are broken on this day, and both walls of Jerusalem and both temples are, are broken on this day. It must be that this is a day which is miyuchad for breaking. And it is up to us to figure out what this means. Now I want to share something which seems at first glance to be completely, perhaps, unrelated. 
There was a group of people that came to visit Rab Shach, and they asked him, they said, did you hear the government, they want to uh, select a day, a day for Holocaust Memorial, a day for Holocaust Remembrance Day. And Rav Shach was very opposed. He said, the day of remembering the Holocaust is Tisha B'Av. If you ever wondered why we're watching Holocaust videos on Tisha B'Av, what's the connection, what are we doing? One answer to that is because it helps us with the process of mourning, we could focus on the aftermath of not being in Eretz Israel under the dominion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but being in Galut. But there's something else here. Rav Shach was very opposed. And I remember reading this and I was like, what's the big deal? I mean, six million people died. We can mourn on two days. Why was the rabbi so bothered that they picked another day to memorialize the Kiddushim, the holy people that passed away in the Holocaust. For many years, I ran trips to Poland. I've probably been there maybe 70 times. Bezrat Hashem as well, we will be arranging one. Rabbi Bragamov and myself and the rabbis Chazak will be arranging one. If you'd like to join us when we actually put that trip up, probably we'll wait until we figure out something uh, with the high cost of tickets. But if you'd like to be, let us know. And someone said to me, Rabbi, I'm so excited to go on your trip, but can you tell me, at the end of the trip, after you go see all the horrors of the Holocaust, that's horrors, Mr. Joe Biden, If you, if at the end of the trip, he said, do you go and take the group to Israel? I said, no. He's like, you know, there's this other trip. And, and they go to Israel. <laughs> you should go to Israel on your trip. And then I'll come with you. I was looking at this guy like, why do you think I want you that badly on my trip? You're complaining, and we haven't even gone on the trip yet. <laughs> this is the guy that you know is going to come to you at breakfast and be like, Rabbi Farhi, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> it's going to be about something like the eggs or something. You know that that's going to happen. I said to him, I said, Rochi, I want you to understand, we... We don't go to Israel at the end of our trip not because we didn't think of going or we wanted to save money or we needed more days in Poland. The reason why I never preferred to have trips that ended in Israel is because I think educationally it's the wrong message. Educationally, what that says is that the answer to the Holocaust is the state of Israel. Now, I want to make two points. Point number one, that is fundamentally incorrect. And in fact, feeds into the narrative and the bias of anti-Israeli, pro-BDS people. That we got Israel because the world felt bad that we got messed over in the Holocaust. That's not why we're in Israel. 
because of 1939 to 1945. So the idea that you go there after this, to me, I think it's educationally incorrect. And not only that, spiritually, I also think that it almost sends this message like, you know what? And you know how God made it better? Hey, Israel. And I often ask people who say, well, that is the case. I often ask them. I said, if you were the leader of the Jewish people and I offered you the opportunity to have the state of Israel, but the cost would be the lives of six million Jews, would you pay that price? He said, no. I said, so then how could that be God's, how could that be the answer? Some people will run this trip that way. It's not, that's not the reason why they do it. They're doing it for other reasons. And I don't have a problem with someone who does it, but I personally would not want to do that. And I think on some level, that was what was bothering Rav Shach. You see, because we can come together and watch videos of Holocaust survivors tell us about how bad it was. And they could tell us about how the hatred developed and why the situation in Germany and how bad it was and how the people had no money. At the time, by the way, the economy was so bad in Germany that people, in order to burn their, in order to uh, warm their homes, wood, wood, was more expensive than money. So people would burn piles of money to stay warm. That's how devalued the currency was at the time. Okay? That's how high the inflation had risen. So that's why they were looking for a scapegoat. In a disconnected Memorial Day, one is liable to think of the Holocaust and of the tragedies Am Yisrael faced as a distinct and separate tragedy to Am Yisrael losing its identity, losing having its finger on the pulse of Judaism. As believing Jews, it's different for people who don't believe, but as believing Jews, we believe that Mashiach comes when we do the right thing. That Geulah comes when we do the right thing. Galut happens when Am Yisrael makes mistakes. Not on a personal level. We're not judging any single person. But when Am Yisrael has made enough mistakes over enough time, eventually there's some sort of, or some form of punishment. So disconnecting it from the day of Galut and Geulah perhaps provides this message that it was the geopolitical nature, that it was anti-Semitism disconnected from anything that we could do. We are powerless victims in the hands of mighty armies. So he said, don't have it on another day. Now, again, I don't care if it's on another day or not. It's fine. But what I want to do today is return the power of rebuilding to your hands, to my hands. To not have a separate day where we mourn terrible things and another separate day when we mourn the diminished state of Am Yisrael. The breaking of the walls is the same day as the breaking of the Luchot. Our protection, it disappears when our Torah is broken. When the Torah can be burned. 
when we are willing to burn the Torah. Rabbi Hadjah, how much are you going to answer? Oh, come on. Fine, okay, I'm not eating kosher meat out. You know, what's the problem with this? Come on already. I'm not talking about people growing slowly. Everyone grows in stages. And every step that a person takes is magnificent and it is beautiful. I'm talking about when a person intellectually says, Hadji, Rabbi, we got to figure out how we're going to get rid of second day Yom Tob. We have never lived in a generation. We have never lived in a time as Jews where we, we were in Galut and had it so good. Never. We've never been in a situation where when you go to Yankee Stadium, there's kosher in six different sections. And, and you're praying mincha. And as you're praying, please bring us back to your Torah. He said, it does matter the Aaron judge. And I'm in the minyan, and the guy's like, uh, during the chazad, the guy's like, Aaron judge. We've never been in a situation like this. Where there's kosher food in the ballparks, in the theaters, wherever you want to go. You could completely immerse yourself in the culture of America, 100%, be more American than any American, and be 100% kosher while doing it. Where are the walls? And I'm not even telling you what the walls should be. I go to games myself. But whatever your walls are, are there, are there walls? Is there, is there something? Okay, I don't know if everyone's different, same, everyone wants different things. I don't have a TV in my house. Maybe you have a TV in your house. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'm not telling you what to not have in your house. What I'm telling you is, it must be that there is something that is not allowed in your house. I don't care what it is. I don't care where your filter is. I don't care what you, if it's a TV or if it's a computer or it's a phone. I don't care what it is. There must be something. Otherwise, your home is exactly the same.
How many times have you been to a Hachnasat Sefer Torah? Singing Ashore Shira, dancing, we're picking it up. Imagine someone came along, poured gasoline on the Sefer Torah, and lit it on fire. And could you imagine that while it was burning, we're still singing? Around the campfire. This is not an example. This is happening, and it's happening now. Are we aware? Are we careful? Are we watching? What are our kids ingesting? Where are we sending our children to school? Where are we sending them after school? Someone came to me, Rabbi, I wish I didn't send my kid to this amazing college, amazing university. I said, really, why? He says he came back, I don't recognize him. All he says every day is how everyone in our family is terrible and we're the worst. And how we need to be more of this and more of that and we shouldn't think this and we shouldn't say that. And anyone who says anything, there's no conversation with him. He's right 100% of the time. Are you not aware that the walls have been broken and the Torah is burning and we're still dancing? Because no one, like we didn't even we didn't even realize that this happened. Allah mavet b'halonenu. Death has appeared in our windows. The death of the Jewish people, the death of the Jewish community, of Jewish values, where clubs and groups are allowed to exist. In Jewish schools, and I'm not saying which schools, are you aware? You know, there used to be a public service announcement. In a difficult time, they used to say, it's 11 o'clock, do you know where your kids are? 10 o'clock? My mother let us stay out later. 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock? My friends, there was once a time where your kids were safe until 10 o'clock. And at 8.30 and at 9.30, no problem. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? 10 o'clock. There was once a time on the television where before this time you were not allowed to show this. Or present this, the watershed. That was the time after which you could show something that was disgusting for a child to see. Because at that point, only adults are watching. There's no such time now. And, and, and it's, you don't have to buy cable for your kid to get that stuff. If he has $15, $20, you know, he can go buy himself a phone that you don't even know about. Another phone. The walls are down, Torah is burning, and we're still dancing. Rabbi Krohn writes, in the name of Harav Schwab, he writes something that really, I think, is the order of the day. He says, what is fasting? What is it? What are we doing when we fast? Last night on the live, I gave one explanation, one interpretation why we're fasting. Seems counterproductive. 
for people to stay focused and meditate. But he says in the name of Rabbi Schwab something unbelievable. The words jumped off the page at me. He says, when you're fasting, you are deciding that I'm putting my life on hold. I am no longer feeding my body. I am no longer sustaining my life. We're just hitting pause. Because I think that the path that we are on should not be fed. We need to stop for a second and redirect. Are there great things going on in our community, in Am Yisrael today? Amazing things. Incredible things. Levels of learning that have never been seen before. Rabbi Eli Stefanski, I don't know, 15,000 people learning to talk with him. Rabbi Bornstein, I don't know, maybe 20,000 people. You know, Torah anytime. Millions of people watching Torah. Unbelievable. Go to the synagogues, people studying, learning, level of religious, you know, understanding, appreciation on the rise. Unbelievable. My friends, we are building bridges and we are not checking foundations. And we are witnessing time and time again how after building the most beautiful edifices, the walls get breached and the whole thing comes down and the marriage falls apart. And the kid that you spent all that money to send to yeshiva, he comes back and not only is he not praying, he doesn't believe in God. The rabbis can tell you this is happening now more and more often. How do you have a guy in yeshiva for 15 years who doesn't believe in God? How did that happen? What are we doing wrong? And the answer is, we're building palaces. And no one took the time to check that it's not quicksand we're building on. That we didn't shore up the bottom of this building. And we're not aware. And the Torah is burning. As we get more and more religious, Chalav Yisrael, and Bishul Yisrael, and only Glat, everything's great on the outside. But we are a generation of externalities. Be careful the wall, because if there's a hole in the wall, So let's get real and let's get practical for one second. We go back to the first destruction of the temple and the rabbis tell us something which I think is unbelievable. They say that the reason why the Torah, the Bet HaMikdash was destroyed was because because they did not make a blessing on the Torah first. And everybody says, how could that be? It's not such a big crime that they didn't make Birkata Torah first. And everyone knows the famous answer. The answer is it doesn't mean that they're getting a punishment because they didn't make a blessing like they drank water without saying, It means that when a person makes a blessing, it's because you appreciate something. They were studying Torah. They knew it well. They did daf yomi. But they didn't appreciate, they didn't love the Torah itself. And sometimes... A person can be traveling so fast that it is the speed at which they're traveling.
learning so much and doing so many things that we've not paused, stopped the system to think to ourselves, is Shabbat a joy or a burden? How does my tzedakah feel? We are not aware of our internal worlds and who we've let into the I want to end with this. Because I don't want to be guilty of what I started with. You're going to go home after this. Maybe you'll go to another seven classes somewhere else. Ashrechen. But maybe instead of seven more classes, if I could ask you a special favor to only do six more classes and spend 10 minutes in the car and think back on what you heard today and lay your life out in front of yourself like a map and think to yourself, how do I ensure that my home is strong? And this is not just for moms and dads and grandparents. You know, Under Armour has a shirt and it says, protect this house. Yeah? I see a guy in the back wearing Under Armour. He's smiling. He's like, I know that logo. I own some of their gear. That's what I implore you to do as you leave today. Protect this house. Who do you hang with that's chirping things in your ear all the time? that don't sit well with you? Is that an influence you want? Again, I hate to say this in a synagogue, but please, what are you watching? What are you exposing yourself to? And I must, I must tell you, it's not like you could watch something inappropriate, horrible online and then counterbalance that with a class. You know what that's like? That's like trying to build this magnificent building on the quicksand. If you undermine the foundations, all the classes in the world, they can't stand, they can't build. What are you watching? And again, watching doesn't only have to be inappropriate, you know, people not dressed correctly. Those are, that's one thing. I remember once, I was watching some film maybe 20 years ago. And it was a whole story about a mafia. In the story in the mafia, there was one guy, one of the mafia boys who was like a, not such a great mafia guy. He underperformed, you know, as a mafia. He was a disappointment to the family. Didn't kill that many people. I thought you were going to be a great guy. Low-level mafia guy. And then at the end of the film, amazing scene. They're about to put away the godfather, you know, the top mafia boss. They're going to throw him in prison. And the guy comes forward and he's like, I did it. It was me. He steps up and he's a man and he takes the rap. He goes to prison and the grandfather with his big diamond rings 
the godfather, he calls him over to sunglasses. He says, come here. And as he's walking in the prison, the people in the prison are clapping. Slow clap. And you're getting swept up into this. Like, yeah, what a guy, what a hero. And at the end of the film, shh, the door slams. Wow. You're like, wow, you're a great guy. That's the value that you just put into your subconscious? That you're a hero for saving a murderer so that he'll murder again? You want to go woke and feel great about yourself for, you know, for virtue signaling and how great it is that we are now pushing for laws of bail reform so that there can be equality between all the people. And what you actually did was not become a hero, but you let a guy who murdered six times, who stabbed 74 people, you let him murder again. Hazaku Baruch. But in the world, they're clapping for you. And we are liable to allow that into our brains and our hearts. And in the movies, the guy who leaves his wife for his secretary because it's true love, you're thinking to yourself, wow, he really followed his heart. The guy's a piece of garbage. But the movie, it's not inappropriate in terms of sights of what they were wearing or not wearing. What do we tell this guy? What are we communicating to our boys about the sanctity of marriage, about the promise you make under the chuppah, about fidelity, about honesty? What are we communicating? A guy who's a fast talker and he's lying and he's so cool because he makes so much money. Not one bad scene in the whole film. There's not even one girl that's not wearing clothes a bet Yaakov girl would not wake. But you, you know what? You just idolize a liar and a cheat and a scammer and a hustler and you told your kid, that's the ideal. And on top of Mount Sinai, instead of having luchot, you have a liar. You broke the walls, you broke the luchot. So what are you kicking out of your house? What are you kicking off of your screen? Who are you kicking out of your circle of friends? I can promise you, if they're no non-stop speaking Lashon Ara with you about everybody else, when they're with everybody else, they're speaking Lashon Ara about you. You didn't lose a friend. If you spend a little time away from someone like that. Protect this house. And if we protect our homes one by one, collectively, Am Yisrael's homes become the ultimate home for Borei Olam in this world. And we are zocheh to witness the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash. Bimhera, yamenu. Amen. Rabotai, I just want to end with one thing. Um, we are running a program um, in memory, in loving memory of uh, Mrs. Lily Safra. Um, we are arranging a group of people that is going to be taking a, uh, a trip to uh, many of the holiest places in Eretz Israel, uh, the Kotel, uh, the Kivarim of Rabbi Hiya, Rabbi uh, Yonatan and Uziel, many, many places around Eretz Israel uh, to find, to help singles find their, mount, their matches. You know, there's so many people 
who, are wor- who don't even know what we're talking about when we're talking about breaking down a house or rebuilding a house because they have not merited to be able to build that Bayit Ne'eman. So we posted this link where anyone could sign up. It doesn't cost anything. We're going to take a group of people and we're going to pray for these names all around Eretz Israel. Uh, we thought it was a great way to start off the three weeks to uh, promote Ahavat Chinam. If anyone would like to, you can uh, write down the link as bit.ly bit.ly backslash pray for this name to find a match. I tried to make it as obvious as possible so that you, could, you won't be able to misspell that or not remember how it goes. We actually launched it on Friday and we are almost at, I think, over 900 names of people have signed up. Um, I kind of feel like I just want to introduce all the people on the list to all the other people on the list. Um, but I will pray, Be'ezrat Hashem, that in whatever way, along with the minyan of people, we're going to arrange an entire day of prayer there. Uh, the deadline for giving in names is Monday night. So one more time, bit.ly backslash pray for this name to find a match. All one word. Um, you can find it there. If you're following us on uh, on social media, you can find it on social media. If you're on in our WhatsApp groups, uh, the WhatsApp or daily audios, you can find it there. Um, please sign up for yourself or for anyone that could use this. Uh, what is a chut that would be for all of Am Yisrael? School of Rotten Hamatz Yon Virushalayim.